We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in X's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pal Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. I've got Iman Azizi from Q42 Barbecue Riding Shotgun with me. And we're here talking about the final week of Bill's training camp. And I'm holding this microphone like I'm like Steven Tyler and Aerosmith. What? Yeah, that is an Aerosmith Get thing, right? To the cocktail. Chris, you're going to miss it. Holy shit. What did you do to this ice? Oh, my God. Iman, oh. look at it. What? It's the logo. <laughs> the logo is in an ice cube. The rock pile report. People, I am holding a glass of bourbon, wow. and in my hand is a cube of ice with the rock pile report logo frozen in it. What did this is almost like Ghostbusters. Chris, it's a birthday, what did you do? It's a birthday present from Jessica. A mold in the logo of the podcast? Yeah. She really is the best ever. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to take a sniff of this. It's obviously bourbon, right, Iman? Yeah. It's a lot of brown. A lot of brown. God, that logo on a fucking ice cube. Dude, this is the sexiest thing I've ever seen. I don't want to drink it. Ooh. Okay. So I get some earthiness. There's a little bit of spice, like a, like a cinnamon. Obviously whiskey. There's no citrus at all. You're a citrus guy. I'm surprised, Chris. What did you make here? That's what you missed out on when we uh, had uh, Fally Allen. Iman, you missed out on that, too. It's a, black, it's a black Manhattan. A black Manhattan is bitters... Rye whiskey and Amaro, specifically Amaro Averna, which I don't have, but I used a different Amaro that I have. 
Ooh. Spicy. It's deep. It's deep. Yeah, it's a it's a dark drink. Oh, that, that's like that's a January drink. Yeah, like this is a winter warmer. Like this is something you guys you wouldn't drink this floating around in a pool. That's a that's a sitting at the bar with um our uh, weather lady from Channel 2. <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you know this. It's one of the funniest things about Iman. His celebrity crush is uh, Maria Gennaro. Yeah, yeah. He, so. he believes that once his current wife leaves him, he's going to put on a smoking jacket and go hang out at the Snooty Fox and wait for Maria to come in for her post-work glass of red. Merlot. Yeah. I remember she, she strikes you as a Merlot lady. Yeah. Merlot and a cigarette and like a little tin. Like a little tin. She has a cigarette case. <laughs> this is a this is a cocktail for that. You think Maria Gennaro has a cigarette case, or it's Virginia Slims? I think she's. I I think you're sorely mistaken. I think she is a like a filtered marb red. Really? Yeah, I think she's a filtered marb red, and I bet you she spits. <laughs> I bet you she spits and probably cusses people out behind their back. That's what I've heard. <laughs> That's what I heard. I don't believe it. I don't believe what the papers say. Guys, we are here talking about the final week of Bill's training camp. And I got to say, if I'm going to open it with anything, it's going to be the fact that I took my son. It was one of the one of the cooler experiences I've had to date. I took my son to the blue and red scrimmage. Larissa and I, we took him. And uh I don't know. I just thought like with them intending to tear this thing down and we just start talking about what this is and like what what the future holds for the team, for the stadium. I want him to see it. I want him to get to experience it at some point in his life when he's old enough to have memories so that when it's gone and it's rubble, he can at least look back and go, you know, I was there a few times. I kind of remember like being at this place and running around with dad and it was fun. I mean, I took him everywhere. Like I was explaining to him, this is the place daddy goes on Sundays when he's not at home. Like when he's gone all day, this is where I go. And he thought that was the coolest thing in the world. He's like, oh, daddy, you hang out here. He kept saying it. You hang out here. You hang out here. Like I th- now, mind you, there's only 10,000. What? Like 10th at Chris, 10,000 people allowed at this scrimmage. Something like that. I can't wait till I'm sorry. I can't wait until Jack's of age to where he recognizes that no one looks at a laptop at that fucking angle. <laughs> Can I tear down the fourth wall for a second? You do know I've only started doing this since I realized it bothered you. I literally just <laughs> I only I, the only the, the Chris the first time I tilted my laptop like this, I watched your face. You and just did way, it now. And I know. It irritated me because no, no. I know that it irritated you two weeks ago. Last week was the week I decided to do it all the time, and your reaction was exactly what I was looking for. And you're doing it again. I love the fact that this gets under your skin. Yeah, because you're all. You are the one that's worried about the shot and how your camera looks, and you just make it look worse by putting. <laughs> Your laptop at an angle that no one in the history of mankind looks at a laptop. They call us trendsetters, Chris. So I'm in the stadium with my son, and it's cool because it's not as crowded as it would be on a game day, so you can just let him run. He's running the concourse, and he thinks this is the coolest place that he's ever been. Like, took him to the top of the 300 section just to let him see it all. 
and it was like a Lion King moment where I was like, ah, look at it all, kid. Did he meet Tony? No, no, Tony was unfortunately not there. I would have loved to introduce him to Tony. Took him to the top of the 300, took him to my seats and was like, this is where daddy sits. And he goes, pretty good, pretty good. And I was like, no, it's it's amazing. It's not pretty good. It's amazing. But I, I wouldn't expect you to know that. But then he was just like, oh, what's that? And he was asking about the names on the wall behind. And I started talking. Like, it was a cool moment to get to show my son something that's been a part of my life for a decade. Since before I met his mother, since before he was ever even a thought in my mind, to be able to show him, like, this is where dad goes. This is who I am. These, this is, these are my people. And then the best part. Is that whenever he had to go to the bathroom or whenever we would let him down, I'd stop carrying him on my shoulders or I'd put him down and let him run. He would like, no, I didn't have to prompt him. He would run around just going, hey, hey," and then trying to high five and fist bump anybody who made eye contact with him. And I was like, first of all, it's my fucking kid. Second of all, he's in it. Like, like, I think that's it, right? Like, first of all. He also fell in love with piss troughs. Can we talk about that, Chris? <laughs> we go in the bathroom and the bathroom up from because I took him down to the corner because I wanted him to be able to see the jumbo like the jumbotron. Yeah. And like I thought, he cheered for Josh Allen when Josh Allen came out, but he also cheered just as hard for Billy Buffalo literally every time he saw him. <laughs> so I don't know where his uh, like loyalty lies in that aspect. I guess Billy Buffalo rules when you're three. I could see that. But so then every time he had to go to the bathroom, the bathroom right across from us had piss troughs, which I don't get to see in our seats. Chris, have you our bathrooms all have toilets, right? I'm anti piss trough. I'm 100 percent. George Costanza. Full bathroom door to the floor. Oh, you want door to the floor? That's what I want to see at the new stadium (laughs) door all the way to the floor. So my kids in there, we go into the bathroom and there's the piss troughs and there's like an eight year old kid. Now, mind you, the line for the three urinals that are in that bathroom is like four people deep. Here's an eight year old with his pants around his ankles, just holding himself up <laughs> on the end of the piss trough, just peeing next to his dad with his dad's like arm around him. And Jack goes, what's that boy doing? <laughs> and I start laughing. I go, <laughs> So so then the next time we go to go to the bathroom, I go to take him to the, the, the stall so we can sit on the toilet. And he goes, no, there, no, there. I want to pee there. And I was like, fuck you, kid. You think I don't I don't give a shit. I'll pee on the floor here. I have zero shame. I have the I have less shame than anyone in this building right now. It's getting torn down anyway. I pick up my kid. I pull his <laughs> pants down to his ankles and I hold him to my chest and just let him piss in the piss trough. And he is having the time. He's laughing. He's having the time of his life. And like there's other guys down the line at the piss trough who are just looking at me nodding like, yeah, you're, you're learning them right. <laughs> But I don't know, like just watching him get the run of the stadium and get to get that experience, like high fiving complete strangers, fist bumping people. There was an old woman in a wheel, like a motorized, like almost like the Walmart mobiles 
who like kind of like like the hover round type thing, and she hover rounded up to the edge, but she couldn't go down to the seats. I didn't know this, but apparently Jack had made friends with her at some point in the day. So as we're going to leave, he stopped and said goodbye to her and gave her a high five. And the look on her face. Now, this was a, I, every time I walked past her, she's just a sourpuss old lady. When Jack said goodbye and then gave her a high five, the look on her face, I was like, that's it. That's it right there in a nutshell. That's what this thing is. It's 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 proof that this thing I've believed in, that there's a magic around what being a not just a fan, but this community and the community building that this fandom does is real because you've got a three year old like how many generations stand between those two people? Yeah, but it brought them together in that moment. And this lady could use a pick me up and that little boy fucking went out of his way to go give it to her. Yep. It's incredible. It was it was everything. It was it was just like, I don't know. It's not. It's it's proof that this isn't just a figment of my imagination. So Jack will be five or six when the stadium changes. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. All right. So uh, now he's got that memory. And so watching him fall in love with this, and then fall in love with the communal aspect of being in the stadium and being around other people who are the are a fan the way you're a fan of this stuff. Like it just warmed my cold black heart in a way that not a lot of things can. It it was an amazing day, and I mean in in the in the interim, you know, Ryan, Chris Ryan Lacell showed up. That's nice. Him and his son sat next to us. I was going to say, do you want to do this now, or wait till the uh, end of the show? The stuff that we have right here. Oh, the hot sauce. Yes. We'll, we'll save that for the end. End of the show. Sorry, Rich Perks. End, Rich of Perks. end of the show. End of the show. But so Ryan Lacell was there. Me, my wife, my son, him, his son, we all sat, we settled in, and we got to watch Bill's training camp. Well, I watched my son watch Bill's camp. I mean, realistically, I paid very, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to what went on in the field, but I saw enough. And throughout this week's training camp reports, I'm pretty sure I'm qualified to speak on the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to start with the good. Jordan Phillips is back. I like him. How do you not like him? He's my fa- he's my low key favorite Bills player. What I love about him, and I know this is going to sound terrible, people are going to get mad when they hear it. That he's he, not a fan of Bruce Nolan. Well, yes, that's that's actually pretty funny. But also the fact that when he does his interviews, he sounds like Dave Chappelle doing his white guy voice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was. I, the first time I heard him speak is when he came back last year after free agency. That was the first time I'd ever heard him speak in a microphone. And I go, is he doing a bit? Is this a joke? Because if so, he's killing it. He had his daughters all over him in the uh, One Bills Live interview this week. And he was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just having fun. Okay. I'm just having fun. And Tasker, they called him out like, but on the field, you're a different guy. He's like, yeah, I'm happy right now. <laughs> because think about this like it's it's almost like so during the I don't know if people out there listening to this are probably familiar uh, the show The Ultimate Fighter it's like a UFC based reality TV show they talk to these people like the because their idea is we want you to see these people in their element and we want you to see them and then they're going to fight and you're going to see it and it's going to create drama and conflict and all this stuff but then also there's a UFC fight that happens which people gravitate towards one of the things Potter and I always joke around about is this guy called, we called him Chi Man. And I'll never remember his name. He didn't make the UFC. But 
he was like, oh, I have to move my entire room around to align my chi and all this stuff. And we were like, that's a weirdo. And he was a total dork. And then at one point, and he was just goofy. And everyone goes, oh, you, we're all serious, man. I'll kick your head in. And here's this guy going, ice cream sandwiches, dudes. How do you not want to eat a whole box of ice cream sandwiches right now? And then they interview him before a fight, and he's just very calm. And they're like, so what goes? what's going through your mind right now? And he goes, nothing. Just that I'm, I'm about to step into a vortex of violence. And, and you're like, oh, and the look on his face, you're like, oh, no, he's a crazy person. And sure enough, he came out and massacred the guy that he fought. And you're like, oh, no, because that's what happens when people can accurately separate the violence of what they want to accomplish from who they are as a person. Jordan Phillips strikes me as that guy. Yes, definitely. He, I, We've often joked about how he plays football at a speed we wish Ed Oliver had. Yeah. And at the same time, you run into him, you see him anywhere else, and it's like he's golf dad. Yes. <laughs> he's golf dad. Yeah. It's wild. But here's what I like. He's back. He's off the he's off the pop list. If you think about McDermott's direction for the defense and what it's going to take here in 2017 or 2023, I dial it back to 2017 because I don't know, we're going to need an aggressive front seven to make up for some things. Mm-hmm. The middle linebacker position. It, it won't be good. It's names we don't know and like. And it, it, it's, it's it will be mediocre at best, but that's okay. You don't have to have the world's best middle linebacker in order to. I mean, I think the Chiefs have proved this. You don't have to have great linebacker play in order to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. What you have to have is a, a team that plays like a unit and a defensive line that then, if you know that's your weakness, is the linebacker core. Your defensive line better better do the heavy lifting and over the years they've paid a lot of money to the frank clarks and the well i guess they haven't paid uh chris jones yet no <laughs> there is a uh, report from uh kcsn okay. also on blue wire that the they're far apart and it's uh right. it's not happening well so you're looking at this. They have always invested in the D-line and just put out peasant linebackers, yep. and it didn't matter. They dominate. Why? Because the offense can carry the day, and your secondary and your coaching and your D-line does enough to win. That's it. Well, we're trying to be the same thing now with a weak middle linebacker position, but we think we can paper over it with all the other talent that we have. I look at this and go... When McDermott's 2017 Bills broke the drought, you couldn't name a single motherfucker on the defensive line except for Kyle Williams. Name one. Who else was on the defensive line in 2017, Chris, with Kyle Williams? Was that a cold front? So No, 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 no. That was Sean McDermott's first year, and then they got rid of Marcel Darius in the middle of the year. They traded him away. So who was on, like, let's say week 10, who was on that team? Was uh, can you name one off was, the top was of your Kelsey head? Kelsey on that team, Chris Kelsey. Chris Kelsey? No, I don't think he was there. Is I, he I gone? think I think he was already gone. Oh, You're better off right. going to our lads. 
Oh man! All right, he's got it. Here we go. I'm curious. Chris is going. Yeah, I'm trying to find Eddie Yarbrough. Oh, oh God Jesus damn you, Eddie Yarbrough. Here we go. Yeah, yes. Adolphus Washington. Shaq, we got Shaq. Wilson. Shaq Lawson. Okay, these are your defensive linemen. And then who else? Uh, Nordley Cappy. Ooh. Oh yeah, Nordley Cappy. <laughs> Played four games. Played four games for us. Mike Tolbert. You had no defensive line to speak of. Wow. And you had no... What, Preston Brown was your fucking linebacker? Jarrell Worthy. Jarrell Worthy. You had a mediocre to poor front four and a really mediocre linebacker core. But they were a unit that finished 11th in turnovers forced. Right? Each of our safeties had five picks. Trey White had four, and our DBs contributed six forced fumbles. They got away with overloading and blitzing and just, hey, our talent isn't good, but schematically we can make this work. Well, so far through camp, that's been the soup du jour. Mm -hmm. Except we're doing it with way better talent than that group had. Yeah. And you know that even though people talk about it, this is Leslie Frazier's defense. When Sean McDermott took over this team in his first season, he left the offense to Rick Dennison and he took the defense. And the defense in 2017 was Sean McDermott. That Rick Dennison offense, why do you think they fired him into the sun as soon as the season ended? It was two things. One, they were ineffective. But two, Rick Dennison was the one who went to him and said, hey, I need a Nathan Peterman. Yep. And so Sean McDermott falls on the sword but goes, hey, I'm I'm not going to forget this. Yep. You dickhead. It was my call. I made the I made the choice to swap out the quarterbacks in the middle of 2017. But guess what? I didn't just think of that out of nowhere. I had a coordinator telling me, "Hey, I need this in order to to be a winner." Well, how'd that work out for everybody involved? Not good, Bob. So they needed that defense, and it was great with. No talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now they have talent, and Sean McDermott is kind of holding the reins again. Like, now the problem is it's one thing to do that and break a drought when you're a mediocre football team. It's another thing to do it while you're playing a first-place divisional schedule because you're a winner. So now you're playing the toughest schedule that any division... You know what I mean? That's our, what our happens. first game is... Everyone's watching. Yeah, this is it. Aaron Rodgers. And so in that way, they're going to need pass rush and pressure to help force more turnovers. That's it. When we were, when we won with mediocre talent and linebacker, we did it because we were able to pressure enough. Mm-hmm. Just they manufacture it in order to cause turnovers. So what? what is he going to do? Because Rodgers is untouched for a year now. Like, like... As a Jets quarterback, he's never going to be touched. The push is going to be, can McDermott get heat on him to make a statement? Oh, yeah. No, I guarantee you there's going to be pressure. And this is why Jordan Phillips getting back is the best, right? Like right now, you're going to go into kind of this this tough schedule, but also that first game. That first game is a test, and you don't have your... It's a game plan test. And you don't have your marquee talent. It's a playoff game. You're missing Von Miller. It's a playoff game test. Yes, and you're missing Von Miller. So with that in mind, you're going to need pass rush help anywhere you can get it. Well, getting Jordan Phillips back now 
even though he's just practicing and working in limited fashion, that's actually good because it means it's going to save him from all those preseason contests. We're probably not going to see Jordan Phillips touch a football field until it actually matters. Mm -hmm. But that's ideal for a guy like him because we already know what he is. He's a veteran. He knows what it is. He knows what the game is. He knows game speed. What what are you worried he's going to be rusty? So, all right, let's talk about, like, Boogie Basham, Epinesa. Those are the guys who want to – and Rousseau. Will they make a step this year? They they have to. Because those are the guys who need to make pressure. But also we have Floyd. And there's a reason we paid Floyd a one-year $9 million contract. Because we recognize that just in case, we need a guy who we know can rush. We have that now. So now it's just – can we do the thing where we suck everybody into the middle of the defensive line mm-hmm. to get those edge rushers time? Puna Ford was my favorite signing of this offseason. <laughs> and so now, he's a Pat Williams. Yeah, well, this is it. He's a block. I think that he's been referred to as a manhole cover, a fire hydrant. Like, they're like you yeah. can't move this guy. But okay. also, then you've got a Daquan Jones who quietly wins – like yep. statistically is a monster in terms of pass rush win rate. So now you have no like, well, because of this, of all the other pass rushers. Yeah. So See, now you can put your line out there week one against the Jets, even without Yvonne Miller and go, we're going to get one on one matchups on the edge. Can we exploit them with an Epinesa, a Rousseau, a Floyd? We still have a better pass rush rotation than most football teams. Yep. And that's why Phillips being back in the fold now and getting ready for week one is so important because you need to keep it that way. You need to keep those tackles for the first four or five weeks of the season on an island. His addition to the fold brings that. Also, Dalton Kincaid still doing the fucking thing. Like, this isn't just a rookie who, like, hey, I caught some passes and we we looked flashy for a week or two and then pads came on and I faded. He just balls because he's got size, ball skills. We've never had this. No, a t- Chris, a tight end? No. Hey, whoa, 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 hang on. Jay Reimersma. Jay Reimersma. So we had Keith McKellar. Then we had, who was the guy from Florida State? I went through the draft history. The Bills have never spent a first round oh, draft. Oh, hold on. We got a guy. For, except for. Tony Hunter. Back in the 90s. Well, for Tony Hunter, but fuck that guy. There was a guy in the 90s we got. <laughs> I, I hope he got hit Butch by a Roll. bus. Not no. Butch. There was, a, there was another guy. Now, so here's what I love about the Dalton Kincaid thing. He's proven that it's not a fluke. Hold because on. Hold on. Lonnie Johnson. Lonnie Johnson. That's. That was the big tight end we were going to have to they, save the world. They produced, like they put, like most tight ends, like everybody who's good when they're first, like rookies especially, when you're in tra- in early phase of training camp, everyone goes nuts over, oh, he made this high, all these highlight real catches. And then pads come on and contact gets introduced. And that guy shrinks. He shrinks like George Costanza getting out of the fucking pool. The reason why is because these guys are used to a college level of physicality, which especially if you play in what, Chris, the Big 12? Yeah. You, there, there's none. <laughs> there's no defense to be had. You move to the NFL, everybody is the best defensive player you've ever played in your life. 
So then you want to see them like you expect to see them shrink when contact gets introduced because veterans know how to get their hands on you. They know how to corral you. They know how to bump you off your route or slow you down enough that you can't get separation. Kincaid has kept steamrolling along. This is the thing that makes me the most excited about him is that in the face of guys like Matt Milano, he is still out there doing the fucking thing. Matt Milano has shut down Mark Andrews. He has taken away some of the premier weapons in the NFL. It to know that in training camp, Kincaid is still getting his tells me that like, uh, that's why I'm excited to watch this Colts game to see him go up against somebody else's linebackers who are subpar. Can he eat in mm-hmm. this environment? I want to see that. I want to see him make a couple plays because that'll be proof positive that everything that I'm seeing and hearing is not false. Mm-hmm. The kid has chops and he's going to be very good at this. Like Chris, that's one of the missing elements from the team, right? Mm-hmm. Also missing elements. The bills are going to have a multitude of slot options. That's the thing we've learned in week two of Bill's training camp. It's a three-horse race over the course of the summer. You've got Hardy, Shakir, and Sherfield. Hardy, he's the guy who got paid. Hardy is the guy who the team gave a giant contract to out of nowhere. Like, if you look at his stats, there's nothing statistically that justifies that. But if you look at his tape and you look at some of the fine metrics, you go, okay, this is Moneyball. Mm-hmm. They're trying to moneyball their way into a Tyreek Hill type wide receiver, a guy who can just break a defense open at any point in time with the right play call, the right play design. We motion him around to get him into an advantageous situation and take a shot. I like that. I don't hate it. Then you've got Shakir, last year's fifth round pick, who what ten targets in the regular season, and then they yeah. go into the playoffs and they go, "Man, that's a guy. That's a fucking guy we need." Oh, he dropped the ball. Boo! It's like, well, you can't throw a guy 10 footballs. (laughs) And then then expect him to catch him in crunch time. And then Trent Sherfield, this fast, physical wide receiver with a very different skill set from any slot entity we've had since David Nelson. David Nelson. Chris, that's a throwback. David Nelson. Proposed to a cheerleader? Yeah. He did propose to a cheerleader, but he was also one of the best run-blocking slot receivers this team ever had. So with that in mind, like, like if you talk to the reporters covering camp, Sherfield has been the most consistent of the three, which I think I like. Because what that means is that you're going to be able to put out a wide receiver if that's the hierarchy and if it survives the preseason, because obviously all of this, like all this camp conjecture turns into dust when you start playing teams that don't give a fuck about you. (laughs) They're not your teammates. They don't need to care about you. They're going to hit you like men. So with that in mind, I see this and I go, Surefield being the most consistent of the three is maybe the best thing to happen for this football team because he's fast he can catch the ball. The, his his home run touchdown at the begin for Miami last year at the beginning of the San Francisco game that they go on to lose tells you he's got big play potential. But also he's the just look at him. He's he's the biggest slot option we've had, and he's a fit, look at the size of his quads, Chris. We joked about that during a show earlier this summer. This is the third time you brought that up. His quads, listen. I'm like Spike 
for little giants? I'm like his dad. It's like, I want to rub those things down. <laughs> with, with, what do you call him? Uh, what was he calling? Like something infused milk? <laughs> He's like, every night I rub his hamstrings with milk. <laughs> like That's what I want to do with this guy because I can see him being a weapon for this team. He just needs to get the opportunities to do it. Now, some people look at that and hear, well, we have three options, and they go, well, glass half empty. If no one's taking the job, then it must mean it's going to suck again. I prefer to see it the other way, whereas it means we have options. Mm -hmm. Now you get to pick and choose. Like a three-wide receiver set of Sherfield, Davis, and Diggs gives you the one of the best run-blocking wide receiver cores in the AFC East. We're, we are better than last year. Yes! Right? Like, that's it. You've gotten better by leaps and bounds at the slot position because you're not just trusting McKenzie to go yep. trip over the fucking goal line again. That Chiefs game, I'll never forgive him for that. We won, but I'll never forgive him for that. You were wide fucking open. Josh tried to pitch out to you and you dropped it, and then you tripped over the goal line. Done. You're cut from my football team. Like, that's it. I just love the fact that we have all these multifaceted skill sets that we can mold into that one position that we haven't had. Chris, who is the last good slot receiver for Buffalo? Isaiah McKenzie. Except for Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley was the answer for two seasons. Uh, and actually like one and a half seasons. Billy he, Brooks. Bill Brooks. Holy he, shit, you're old. Jesus Christ. You guys deaf. I said Isaiah McKenzie. <sighs> Oh, no, we heard you. We just didn't acknowledge it because it's, it's obviously false. Uh, Remember Cookie? Cookie, Cookie Gilchrist. <sighs> Can you please tell our listeners about this? So in St. Louis... Because uh, <laughs> you do it all the time. I, I want them to understand. In St. Louis, I helped run the uh, Bills backers of St. Louis. And there was an old guy from Tonawanda who... Tonawanda, obviously. Every week... Would go on about Cookie Gilchrist, <laughs> and he would elbow you. You remember, remember, remember Cookie? That guy looks like Cookie, Cookie Gilchrist. And that was just the thing every week, and it just became an inside joke. If anything you like about what the Bills do, say it's like Cookie Gilchrist, <laughs> and ask the guy, "Do you remember Cookie?" And then elbow him. Oh my God, dude! It, I couldn't handle that. We had to kick him out of the group <laughs> when he got really pissed at Kevin Everett when he got his spinal injury. Chris, and, uh, I feel like that's everybody's timeline. Yeah. Like, if you're old enough, you eventually live long enough to offend everyone. Yeah, so, we, we, we got to get rid of this guy. So here's what I'm trying to point out here. Between Kincaid, between our slot options, Hardy, Shakir, like, Hardy's your motion option. He's your orbit motion. You move him around the formation. Shakir is your straight line. I can test the speed up the seam. That's what he did in that Dolphins game. That's why he was open. I can beat linebackers and then get on a safety and you throw me a ball and I'll fight for it. They have a group of pass catchers at the slot group, whether they go three or four wide, that have a really unique group of skill sets that gives Ken Dorsey probably the most tools he's had to work with since he was slinging a rock for the Hurricanes. That's it. The The hope is that he can figure out how to utilize them and how to maximize their impact on the football field via his play calls. Now, Chris, there's obviously the bad to come out of this week. 
Everything you're doing is bad. I want you to know this. <laughs> Torrance good versus the run, but Bates is still ahead because you're a pass-heavy offense. Like, that's that's a problem. We discussed this pre-camp. We played out kind of how, like, th- this has gone the way I was afraid it would. Like, the popular opinion amongst Bills fans pre-camp was that we want and need to see Torrance win the right guard job because we know Bates is not, he's mediocre. He's not good enough. We need an improvement. Well, the problem is that if you want a perfect, uh, if you want a perfect lineman, you have to take Bates and staple him to Torrance's back or butcher him up and sew him back together, kind of like a Frankenstein. Although, is it weird we call him Frankenstein, but he's really Frankenstein's monster? <laughs> I feel like as children, they sell us this lie that like, oh, that's Frankenstein. No, it's not. And then you read the book and you go, well, that's fucking depressing. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Lies. So. I'm sorry. I get real salty about the whole Frankenstein thing. Realistically, you, what do you think about this? The idea that the two of them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. First of all, what do you think about the Frankenstein thing? No, I, I want your opinion on Frankenstein. Frankenstein, like it's a bullshit thing. Why do we call him Frankenstein when it's Frankenstein's monster? Um, it, it's mass media push pushing a message. They don't want to get into the details, so Frankenstein is an easier thing to make commercial. Frankenstein's like monster. Frankenberry cereal. Yeah, to be the monster, like that takes a lot of steps. <laughs> of understanding what's going on. <laughs> People don't like steps. Just they Do you just... fight this in marketing all the time? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I fight I fight people's unknown ignorance all of the time. Yeah, no steps. People can't take steps. <laughs> like our the Q forty two stuff, there's like all these little Easter eggs about it. People don't it there's only a small portion of people who care about the Easter eggs. Yeah, that's true. Wild Turkey one oh one. You, the that O one, is that? It's to, a middle finger to the government. Yes, because the government taxes you up to one hundred. <laughs> that's why it's O one, <laughs> and that's a cool Easter egg. But people don't want to hear that. They're like, "Oh, that's cool," and they move on. They don't want to hear. They don't want to know the story. They don't want to know the Easter eggs of what makes things interesting. 
Well, that's the thing, I guess, with this whole Bates-Torrance thing. People don't want to understand what makes this interesting. Yep. It takes it takes 30 seconds of your time that nobody has. Yeah. Because you talk about Bates versus Torrance, and they go, well, he's getting beaten pass protection, so he's a bad guard. No. You watch him in, in the running game. He is gigantic, and he just corrals people and moves them. It's like... Other grown men who are starters on NFL off, uh, NFL defenses get moved against their will by this young kid. He is a man, like he's a man possessed in that phase of the game. He executes well. He's got great power. He's got great hands. He understands leverage. The problem is, is that when you ask him to pass protect... His technique is sloppy. He he. It's like for all that size, he doesn't really know where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. This is a time on task thing for him. I think it's just you're not good at this and you need to get better. And I think that he got spared a lot in college, Chris, by the fact that he, you know, you're a boy, the guy you believe most in this this season. Your prop bet, your prop bet of the year, Anthony Richardson was his quarterback. Yeah. Teams were afraid to just go whole hog and blitz him because he'll just run away. So he didn't face a lot of like defensive tackles who are going to try to roll you up into the pocket because they knew with Anthony Richardson, a quarterback, the pocket could move. Mm-hmm. Instead, they did the Lamar Jackson thing and tried to contain him, which is cool, but it also hides your warts as a pass protector. Now they're being exposed, but that's not a bad thing. Bates is a low-end starter for a team that thinks it can win something. Yeah. In terms of his pass protection. In run, you can't rely on it. No. But now I think that, oh, wait, we've run a bunch of 12 personnel stuff in training camp. We've proven that we're kind of committing to this run idea, although the Harris injury murkies that. We're going to talk about that. But this idea, like Bates was average last year, but not the worst guard on our team. Now you've thrown in a guy who mauls in the rushing attack and who's learning how to pass protect. Well, I don't know. Like, if the team truly does want more 12 personnel and they want that formation to work, you've got to run the ball effectively. I feel like he's kind of paving the way to his own starting right here by being effective as a run blocker because realistically our offense is going to throw that at teams as soon as they get a lead. Yeah. Make the game longer, extend it, and then, hey, guess what? We can throw the ball, too. I worry about what that means for Josh Allen. But I also see the upside in Torrance versus what Bates brings to the table. and He's, he's established. We know what he is. He is a low-end starter at guard. Utility. Utility guy. He can do center. He can do guard. He can do tackle in a pinch. Great. Wonderful. You want him on your team because you need him at some point. Yep. I I just like the fact that our defensive line might be good enough that he looks like he's struggling, but if he goes up against another Mm -hmm. team starters, he might look all right. Yep. And then he dominates in the run phase against a good defensive line. Yep. That gives me hope that when bullets really start flying, he actually he swims. You know, mm-hmm. he's not just treading water; he swims. I can't wait to see that in live action. But 
it's not great right now coming out of training camp. The fact that we still have this murkiness between what who we, is and who isn't. When have we talked about training camp and the season? Mm. This is all... This is why I hate preseason. Yeah, it's why all this needs to be shot in the face. <laughs> well, here's something that is tangible. Shakir as a returner gets murky quick. I got to see this with my own two eyes, the blue and red scrimmage. They're lining up. They're doing punt drills. Like, they bring everybody out, and they do a couple no contact. Hey, the offense marches down, scores a couple touchdowns. The crowd goes nuts. They're trying to get everybody into it. I get what you're doing. Don't sell me your hackery. I'm taking my kids to take a piss. I I don't give a fuck about this. I come back, and they're running punt drills. And it's Andy Isabella. It's that uh, whatever the fuck his name is, uh, Darrington Evans, and it's Shakir. And they're taking punts with pressure in their face. When he muffs this punt, Shakir muffs it, and you heard the crowd react like they were at a bar and they just watched a server drop a plate. (laughs) It was an audible, ooh. And you could tell they heard it on the field. Because people immediately like kept like patting him on the helmet, like, it's okay, it's not so bad, whatever. But then he kept looking up to the stands, and it's like, no, we booed you. That was bad. That was fucking bad. It was an unprompted muff of a punt. And the worst part, right? Like, Because this is how I've been thinking about Shakir and his path to the final roster, was that, well, he's got utility as a returner. So the injury to Harris helped, uh, not, not Najee Najee, Naheem Hines. Look, I said it right, Chris. You had to focus. The injury to him, I thought, was paving the way for Shakir to make the roster. Because I go, oh, well, he has return utility. And then you see it with your own two eyes, and you go, oh, no. I don't Mm -hmm. like that. Meanwhile, you watch him next to Andy Isabella, who they just signed. And you could tell the difference between the I made my wife. I did this with my wife. I go, you don't know who either one of these players are. Who do you think is the one the Bills drafted, and who do you think was the street-free agent? And she watched him, and she goes, well, obviously that guy. And I go, ah, there it is. Andy Isabella, when he got the ball in his hands as a returner, he just looked decisive. He knew what he wanted to do. He cut up field. He he wasn't afraid of contact, but he also knew how to avoid it, and he just prepared for it, made a plane in his head, and started to move his feet. Shakir looked much more robotic and a little bit slower at it. Mm-hmm. And this has me worried. The fact that someone who doesn't know the nuances of the roster construction knows that that guy looks better doing this thing than that guy. That's a problem at this point in the offseason, isn't it? Because you've kind of made your bed as far as who your returner is going to be. Mm-hmm. These are your options. Like, I don't know. Also, Chris, isn't it weird? Trent Sherfield is here, and he can we all agree he's basically penciled in? Heard oh, of yeah. him? Yeah. Trent Sherfield. He's on the roster, penciled in, along with Keyshawn Johnson and Andy Isabella, who were two guys that got drafted ahead of him by that fucking moron, Steve Kime, in Arizona. And then he went to the coach and told them they had to play his draft picks over Trent Sherfield. Like, we're petty motherfuckers. Sherfield's a perfect fit here. <laughs> we're petty motherfuckers. Doesn't that have to feel good for Sherfield? Yeah. Yeah. Him looking down the depth chart yep. going, hey, assholes, remember that? 
Remember when you got to play in Arizona and I didn't? And now look at us. Mm-hmm. Look where I am. Look where you are. He is a Buffalo player storyline that everyone will fucking love. I love it. But so the question about what happens with Shakir, I don't I don't know. Like you you're not gonna cut him, probably. But like also if he's not the best returner, then they might just give the job to Andy Isabella. And then the question becomes how do you find who what position? Offensive line, defensive line Defensive back, like where are you trimming from this roster in order to put a kick returner on the roster because your fifth round draft pick can't do the job? Yep. I just don't like where this is headed. I don't like the dynamics of the return position right now. But there's a couple things I like less than that, and that brings us to tonight's ugly. You're so ugly you could be a modern art masterpiece. I told him anytime you can work Arlie Ernie into a Bills podcast, you fucking do it. How about injury scares? Like this last week has been wild. Deion Dawkins leaves with a thumb injury and people are like, oh, no, he's got a brace on it. Fuck. And then he comes back and he practices. Thank God. Poyer. All of a sudden he's wearing the elbow brace again. It's like, oh, no. Are we pr- are we priming ourselves for another one of these? Josh Allen leaves after getting hit in the elbow, and everyone goes, oh, no. But he practices, and he, he does fine. He seems fine. I don't know how much is toughness, how much is pain. I don't know what happened. Harris goes out with a knee injury. Damian Harris and his knee injury. Now, this is concerning because it's half the reason he was so cheap. It's why we got him for a bargain on the open market, Iman. And so for me, I look at this and I say to myself, the guy who you bought low because you thought you might be able to sell high is doing the thing that he's been doing throughout his entire career, which is just being hurt. Chris, can you rely on him at this point? No. He's a Belichick disciple. Okay. So then why don't you pull up that Spotrack chart? For running backs? Yep. And why don't you give me all the free agent running backs? Because here's what I... like. Zeke. There's a couple things that make me feel better about this, and it makes me feel like a dick. At this point in the season, if you were a team who had a running back, another running back injury, like we already lost Hines, if we were to lose another running back and only have two that are reasonably rosterable in an NFL capacity, Elon, look at that list of all the the people who are available who don't have jobs today. Well... <laughs> J.D. McKissick had a job here. He had a job here for five minutes. Yep. Uh, I, I wonder if he just burned that bridge so bad. Oh, yeah. Like, Chris, do, do you believe that his agent, like, his brain and being seemed pissed about that. Yeah. I don't know that he would do business with that agent again. Just because. But so then you think, like, Giovanni Bernard, he's 30. But, but, like, look at some of these names. Taiwan Jones. Taiwan Jones. Uh, scroll down a little bit. So this is what I like to say. When you get into the younger players, there's no one out there who's worth a shit that has any... Master Teague. Master Teague. Mm. Like, like these are the players you're talking about. Uh, What, Champ? Is it Champkin or Champklin? Champklin. (laughs) Sham, Sham, Sham. David Johnson was a... He was a stud. He was a star. David Johnson for who? He's on 
and O now, New Orleans. But yeah, David Johnson, who was relative. He, he was, was on rel- the uh, he Cardinals. Was, he, he, he was on the Arizona St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, he was relevant. What? Uh, but that guy was that guy was supposed to be the best ever. What happened? <laughs> yeah, he he got old, like all running backs do. That's it takes why Chris, like five years. So, Chris, think about this. David Johnson is out here. Now, remember David Johnson negotiated that fat contract, yeah, got yeah. himself paid. Scroll up to the top of the screen. Why do you think all these dickheads are here? Ezekiel Elliott, Delvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt. Mark I'll take in- Fournette for us. Yeah, but click, Chris, click the market value. What are we looking at for Leonard Fournette? What does Spotrack think he's going to get? 2.3? It's not my money. <laughs> I'm not spending 2.3 on Leonard Fournette. No. All right. What What does Dalvin Cook want? Like five? Oh no. He well. He's he, oh eight seven. Jesus yeah, but his agent wants ten. I like his brother better. I like his brother better. How about Kareem Hunt? How about the fact that Kareem Hunt seven? Like this is a weird thing going on with the the NFL market right now for them. Like. Running backs are not getting paid, but also then you look at this and you go, look at Ezekiel Elliott, the fact that nobody nobody's brought him in for visits. Yeah, because they don't, it's not as big of a part of an offense anymore. No, especially not if you're a good football team. They go, well, I want to go play for a contender. Well, then fuck you, you're going to make league minimum. Why? Because they throw the football. If you are a contender, you throw the football. I'm sorry, what you do isn't worth much. And everyone goes, no, but I can be that piece. No, you can't, because we run the ball 15 times a game. <laughs> we got guys. I think back to sh- that Shane Gillis podcast. We got guys. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't wait to. You'll get that reference when we're done doing this. Ultimately, there are guys on the market who, if the if if Harris can't pan out, if he can't stay healthy, if he doesn't get to perform in this preseason, we will replace him. I don't think the Bills will roster him, Chris, if he can't go at any point during the preseason. What do you think? Mm, no. I mean, they, they bought low. They I, could no, sell I think I, I feel like the, the ball is going to be James Cook all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but he, can't, but he can't pass protect worth a shit, and he still can't. Well, that's what training camp's for. Learn it. Yeah, but he's not. And that's a problem. We're at the end of training camp. He's still not a good run blocker. Okay, if he takes out a, somebody on Luckily, the if he takes out somebody on the Colts on Saturday and and gives him a torn ACL, then he did his job. Who are you talking about? I'm talking James about, Cook. Pass protection. Yeah. But, if he takes out a linebacker, but he's not at the knees. To. What he's gonna do is he's gonna get run over like he has done, and one of these guys is gonna get hurt. James Cook probably won't play. Realistically, our best bet's Latavius Murray, and we're lucky that we have him because he's six foot three, two thirty. He's, he's a, like forty five, right? He's at forty five. What do you think? He's your age? Yeah. <laughs> we work together. We used to work together. We, we grew up. We worked at Pizza Hut together, man. So. so Latavius Murray has shown well as both a rusher and a pass protector. He's next man up, right? But also, if you can bring in one of these guys off the street and get one of them to just chase that, like, hey, do you want to win a ring or not? There's options. So I feel like a piece of shit, but the market isn't terrible. We're going to... The Bills are going to have David Johnson on this roster at some point this year. I see it. You want to make a Seagram's bet on it? Yeah. Ah, there we go. Iman, the Seagram's bet of the show. David Johnson, Bills roster. He's on it. 
Oh, I can't wait to have you back at the end of the year so we can. Oh, I can watch you slug slug a fucking. Pe- what is it? What are they? What are they, what are they called? The Calypso, a uh, Calypso cooler. Just face it. It literally tastes like someone rubbed down a shovel with a fucking coconut and hit this you in the face. This is my beta bet. This is your beta bet. You're like it's low risk. I'm looking at this list and I'm like the bills will go for someone like David Johnson. Like thirty one years old. Week fuck. nine will be like oh, that's the guy. That's the guy. And then, Chris, if we're talking about ugly, it's this quarterback situation. And that's where I want you to take the Spotrack website and spin it to quarterbacks for me. Oh, you've already got it up. Look at you. Fucking professional. <laughs> you told me to do that three hours ago. Who is E.J. Perry? Yeah, that's my point. The Bills might need to be one of the teams looking at the cut list around the NFL when it comes to backup quarterback at the end of the preseason. Because by all accounts, these guys are bad, but I saw it with my own two eyes. I watched Kyle Allen botch not one but two snaps just ridiculously like keystone cops style botch a snap from our from i don't know if it was bates at center but whoever it was these two like this guy is struggling to take a snap from under center and i'm supposed to believe that on a sunday with pressure in his face and a lot of actual gravity to the situation that guy can execute I kind of miss... That's every time he's on the field. Case Keenum was the perfect backup for this team. Yes! And we traded away a seventh-round draft pick in order to get him. Like, we knew that he was the perfect backup. Keenum is a guy who can do that two- to three-week thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, you decided this year to play it cheap. You brought back Barkley. Who, Chris, we've long talked about this. The games where they brought Barkley in, they didn't trust him to fucking throw. But Josh likes him. That's that's all it is. And then Kyle Allen, another one of Josh Allen's boys. Yep. Guess what? Turns out he turns the ball over at a horrific pace. They were talking this week about how his worst interception of camp so far happened yesterday. He threw the ball off the mark by about seven yards, and all Saran Neal was. So it was just. It was like a Madden interception, where Saran Neal is standing alone with no wide, no wide receiver around him, and all he had to do was jump up a little bit and catch it. Yeah. <coughs> I don't feel good about it, Bob. Drew definitely doesn't feel good about it. I don't feel good about anything. These quarterbacks make me sick. Is Thad Lewis still available? Did he formally retire? I would take Can Thad talk over him this. out of it? I'll take Thad. Chris, when you look at this list, who would you take right now? Looking at the list according to Spotrack of available quarterbacks. I don't have to see I don't have to see any of this. Carson Wentz. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Thirty years old. He's the he's the youngest available quarterback to have done anything at an NFL level. Nick Foles, Super Bowl champion. Yep. Thirty four. Tom Brady, 46 years old, hanging out on a beach, work like has a contract for Fox, but doesn't want to do it, but doesn't want to play football. I don't know what the fuck, getting facelifts. Fuck that guy. Uh, Matt Ryan working for CBS because he's just gotten his head kicked in. Do you know he was the most sacked quarterback going into Indy? And then he became the most, like, he held it again. He was the most sacked quarterback two years in a row, then went to Indy and got sacked the he went most to again. Two really shitty franchises. <laughs> it's like that guy was so good. And, he, and you just ground him down to nothing. Yeah. That guy could have been so good. 
And then Carson Wentz is the only 30-year-old out here with any real high-end talent left. But also, it's fucking Carson Wentz. Like, uh, why do you think, Chris, why do you think he doesn't have a contract right now? Because he's not good and he's probably looking to be a starter. I mean, why else would you do a, a fucking workout and wear a Redskins jersey, a Eagles helmet, and Colts shorts? <laughs> Wait, he did that? Is that real I mean, or was that photoshopped? No, it was real. not photoshopped. It was real. real. He's got, like, if I'm his agent, I'd shoot you in the feet for that. Like, I, I would shoot you in the leg and then I, fire I'll you. I'll take Chase Daniel. I'll take Chase. Like I would Chase take Daniel Chase. as a guy who knows who he is, knows what the Drew. Do you have any? Uh, he's like a Matt Barkley. Drew, let me Drew, let me ask you this: How much money has Chase Daniel made? Oh, fucking fortune. in his career. Hey, right click on his uh, right click and open a separate tab. Let's see all of the money that I, Chase Daniel has made. I know what it is. I'm asking you if you have you a guess. How much do you think? I want to say it's about 20, thirty. I want to say thirty mil. I say twenty-five mil. Drew is closer. It's like forty-one million. Forty-one Ooh. million dollars for being a backup yeah. forever. Forty God. forty-one million right there. God damn. Yeah. Now when you go to statistics, look at this. Game started. One, two, three, four, five. He started five games. Wait, who drafted him? I forgot. Uh, In 2012, he started 16 games. The Chargers. For New Orleans. No, 2012? Oh, 2011. Oh, there we go. 2011 and 2012. He was a starter. Well, uh, no, it says it's, he played in 16 games, but it says zero oh. games started. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, no no drafted him. Then Casey took him. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because he was really popular in Missouri. I was living in St. Louis at the time, and he's like he's like a good fucking dude. And is he? That's what they say. And it's that right. it's Midwest hayseed nonsense. I will take him in Buffalo because he knows what he is. He is that quarter like that's his mo. He's like the quarterback. I know what I am. Here's something here for. Let's do it. I would take a Nick Foles. Why? Because the guy proved that once in a while he can get in his fucking bag yeah. with a high-end team and just go win you something. Fuck it. Why not? But realistically, Nick Foles has to be better than what we what we have. Whoa. The Colts signed him? Wait, did the Colts sign him? No. No. He's made $86 million. Jesus Ooh. Christ. Jesus. Oh, my God. Chris, Chris, at this point, do you not... Are you not already? 56 games started. Okay, so Brandon Bean will never say it, but are you quietly back-channeling with Nick Foles and just being like, hey, man, look. <laughs> if things this preseason go sideways, can we tab you? Can you you've you already made $86 million. Can you come in here and just do it for 1.5? Just come do the thing. And I'll probably say, no, I have $86 million <laughs> in the bank. Million. Hey, <laughs> do you want a second ring? And maybe you have to go win it because Josh is going to literally kill himself. All right, trying to I'll go Nick thing. Foles. Nick Foles might be the only one out there. With, I like the fact that Joe Flacco hasn't formally retired, even though I think the NFL has proven they're done with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's wanna amazing. To, you want to get to the sauce? Yeah. We'll get to so, the sauce. So why don't you bring me this? Bring me them chips. And let's have you want this. chips? I'm. I well, brought, first I want it naked, and then I want a chip. I got spoons for you guys. Oh, uh, yeah. So, guys, Rich Perks, listen to the show. As we as we kind of close out 
the final week of training camp, I feel like everything needs a stunt, right? Like you need a you need an exit. It can't just end with like, well, we bitched about quarterbacks. That's how it goes. Rich Perks is a hot sauce. He's a he, all I can think of is Tropic Thunder. He goes, I was a saucier down in San Antonio. <laughs> uh, that's all I can think of when it comes to Rich. This is his barbecue sauce. He has sent us sauces. Now, this is his barbecue sauce. Now, Iman, in the most heterosexual way possible, I'm going to feed you a spoonful of this oh. sauce. <laughs> Honest opinion, Iman. What do you taste in there? It's very balanced. No, it's even. I expected it to be very sweet, and it was not. There's a lot of, mol- like, a, a caramely molasses layer mm-hmm. to that. So there's sugar in there. There's the, it comes down. Do you think this is the ketchup base? I don't know what the base is. I taste Worcestershire. Mm-hmm. I taste... I get heat on the back end. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a little spice on the back end. Guys, this is way better than beer evaluation. We're evaluating sauce. I like how Iman got back in there after I... I like how I fed him sauce (laughs) on camera. You know that's a gift, right? I'm sure. Iman, can I, uh... Iman, can I fill you one of these and then you use it this weekend? Yeah. So I'm making uh, chicken this weekend. No, this is this is good. It's smooth. It's balanced. It's got a little spice. There's a lot of Worcestershire. There's Worcestershire, but I like that. Because whatever the sweetness is, the Worcestershire is There's nice... that anchovy or soy. It's it's, it's probably normal. soy. Yeah. Because you're the only dickhead who uses anchovy. Here are when Rich's... When people see that on the bottle, when Here's... people see that on the bottle, they freak out. There's you know that, right? Rich's hot sauces. Oh, and Rich sent us hot sauces. The wasabi soy. I don't know if you need that. Or the if you're mango. This looks like mango hob. And this is... I will t- I will say Mango Tajir. If anything for Rich to uh, get better at, it's your fucking handwriting. <laughs> Rich, you don't have to take that. What I suggest is that you make a bomb and send it to Chris in the mail. <laughs> no, that's a good sauce. Yeah, hand me that sauce. I'll put some in the container for you. You can cook with it this weekend. Guys, Rich Perks. Uh well, what's his Twitter handle? I believe it's at @richperks27. Guys, Give him a follow. He's hilarious. I remember when he got stranded in the same place Hugo got stranded overseas. And we were talking to him about it. And it turns out he now knows Hugo because of that. This is his wasabi soy. And that's what it tastes like. Like This would be a great thing for like a stir fry. Yep. That's a great hot sauce for a stir fry. Okay, it's rich. Mm, there's a lot of profanity I want to use right now in a positive way. I like that. I like a lot of this. I can't wait to test these. Thank you for sending them to us. And thank you for helping us close out this training camp stuff on a high note. Because do you want some habanero or are you too old? Let's do it. All right. As you close the show out, I'm going to open up this habanero sauce of yours. I'm going to pour Iman a shot. Now, a lot of people might be wondering why Iman is easy. They're not talking about cooking. Well, tonight we recorded the inaugural episode of Always Sunny in South Buffalo. 
a Q42 produced barbecue and basically just a, a buffalo podcast. <laughs> I love how unprofessional you got near at the end. Yep. Iman, I can literally hear you chewing. <laughs> guys, guys, we are a professional podcast. We're the most professional. <laughs> guys, I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. That's Iman Azizi. This is Rich Perk Sauce. And this has been your Rockbow Report. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.